there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. All right, it's time for Advanced Medicine, and this is how we get our week started off. Dr. Batar, all over the world you are. We're glad to have you on board, and I, I can't believe it's already been a week since we saw you at the Healing Revolution Summit in Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah, time is moving fast, isn't it? it? It doesn't seem like it was only a week ago, but it really, it's been exactly a week. Incredible, and, and again, we're still laughing about you and Ty on the panel, <laughs> bantering back and forth, had the whole audience in stitches. <laughs> you know, it's funny, one of the pictures got posted was with Ty and I talking on the panel, and the picture was taken, everybody's face in the front except for Ty and I looking at each other. We were obviously in the conversation, so that was probably not a good picture to put up. Yeah, it was classic. And, and the thing is, the good thing about putting the audience in stitches, you do have some emergency room background. That was funny. <laughs> we have to start that again. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, listen, that's the kind of thing that we're like throwing them out so fast. Occasionally there'll be a groan, but most people were just laughing in disbelief. But again, <laughs> yeah, part of the Healing Revolution Summit is the humor, you know, bringing the humor into everything that we do, recognizing there are serious issues on planet Earth. We don't dis- discount that. But if we if we move into the doom and gloom and can't see the humor in life itself, uh, it can be overwhelming. Well, that's true, and you know, in, in the nine steps, that's one of the steps of the humor, actually. So, yeah, the nine steps to keep the doctor away, international bestseller. If you're new to the medical rewind here, and by the way, if you miss a show with Doctor Batar, we have it available for you at medicalrewind.com, as well as all the other podcast sites around the world that carry the Robert Scott Bell Show. Uh, we had, you know, some some questions coming in. Uh, from you know, over the years of listening, like I think last week or the week before, whatever it was, we played a, uh, a phone call from someone asking about a show we did in 2011. But we have a more contemporary call maybe to kick us into gear talking about some pain issues. Uh, and this is coming from uh, James in Pennsylvania. So I'm going to go ahead and play that and see where we go. Hey, Robert. How are you? This is James here in Pennsylvania. Could you ask Dr. Batar, um, what was the special cream that he talked about a few weeks ago that he used to help the, with arthritis pain and uh, all kinds of other things that uh, seem to also not just uh, mask the pain, but actually possibly do some healing as well. All right, so Dr. Batar, James calling in about that cream we talked about, and I think we've discussed this over the years uh, for relieving pain, but also he has a good question. It's like, I just don't want to mask the pain. I'd like to see that, that it can heal. So if you remember talking about the pain thing that you helped develop? Yes, I know exactly what he's talking about. And so the first issue is the the claims issue. So you have to be very careful. You know, what's we, we know that they are friends of ours that listen to the show, right? Yes. That yes. are on the opposite uh, end of the spectrum. So we, um, the, the, they're actually, there's two different products for pain. There's two different things for pain that, that are used. Um, but the one that is being referred to is an herbal-based. It's not actually a cream. Uh, it's a uh, lotion would be a better way of putting it. Okay. And uh, or, or an oil, I guess you can kind of think of it that way. But it's, it's not really a cream base. It is topical. It is tr- it is transdermal, and 
it hasn't been available for the last uh, year and a half because of uh, some political things, uh, Robert, that you know about what happened with TransD and such. Right. So the all those formulas were actually uh, turned over to a different company. Um, I don't have any connection with them or anything else, but they will be. They're being. They were all basically reformatted. They were all redone. They were all changed, adjusted, mm-hmm. um, and basically made into the next generation. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are all going to be available uh, probably within the next. I, I anticipate uh, within the next week to two weeks. Uh, okay. I know the final phases are all that. It's interesting how well timed this call was, though this question was. Mm-hmm. But basically, they will be available, and the resource to find those and and many of the other uh, specific products that are. Uh, that we've talked about over the years, they will all be available at, or at least you can find out the links on how to get more access to that information at infoonaging.com. And uh, it's a, it's not a site, infoonaging.com is not a site that you can order anything. It's an informational site only. Okay. They will give direction to people on not only that, but the other uh, products that we've discussed over the years as well. Great. Uh, all right, info on aging.com. It's linked up in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com. You learn more about this as it, as it becomes available. And, and Dr. Patar, what are your thoughts on uh, so, so much of the Western world and the American allopathic mindset on pain is whatever we can do to relieve it, who cares if it intoxicates your liver or doesn't even address the underlying reason why the pain is there? How do you shift into a, well, let's understand the pathways and then modulate and then heal? Yeah, you know, that is a very good question. It's also a question that has plagued um, the the modern pharmaceutical industry. It's it's actually caused a lot of backlash and a lot of consequences. The people don't even realize that they're actually the ones that are paying the price for this. And what I'm talking about is not even the alleviation of pain or, or the actual monetary cost. I'm talking about the cost in greater pain and suffering that increases because the origin of the pain, the etiology of the pain hasn't been addressed as you just discussed. Yes. And you know, this perfect example would be upper right back pain. And a person comes in and says, you know, I have back pain, uh, and they kind of point to the area and the doctor says, oh, you probably just pulled a muscle and they automatically put them on Motrin Right. Or they'll put them on some type of a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory like Arutus or Naproxen or whatever. Uh, or, you know, in the case a couple, maybe a decade ago, Vioxx, that killed 55 million Americans before they had to pull it off the 55,000, yes, yes. Yeah, I'm sorry, 55,000, uh, yeah. You know, after after you get over 55 people, add any number of zeros. Yeah, add some more zeros. And, and we know the Holocaust that the uh, FDA has been involved with for decades here in America in terms of the, the, the total death cost or death toll uh, to the allopathic medical monopoly. So it, it maybe it wasn't such an exaggeration. Right. And, now, and actually, on a side note, at the Healing Revolution, one of the points that were brought up was that uh, the appropriate use of pharmaceutical drugs and, and the iatrogenic causes of death mm-hmm. was considered to be the number one cause of death in America. Yes. And I don't. Somebody had referenced Gary Null and some other people that had put that information out. Now I don't know about that data. And again, I don't think that's ever been published. But John Hopkins published this was John Hopkins research that was conducted at John Hopkins University and was published in the. 
Journal of the American Medical Association in JAMA. Mm -hmm. And this is around 2003, I believe, 2002-2003 time frame. And it talked about the iatrogenic causes of death. And the third leading cause in the United States, now of course this is 11, 10, 10 to 11 year old information, maybe even a little bit longer, uh, that information stated that the iatrogenic causes of death, doctor-induced cause of death, was the third leading cause of death in the United States, as opposed to what they were quoting at the Healing Revolution as the number one leading cause of death that was quoted by Gary Null. Right. Not that, not that I wouldn't use Gary Null as a reference, but I think I would use something, use something that's published in JAMA a lot more credibly than, than something else that was stated out there. But what's interesting is the counterpoint that the people that were against that argument, their, their defense, and the defense was that it is not the third leading cause of death, that iatrogenic causes of death are only the fifth leading cause of death in the United States. Now, what I found interesting was how they, and I think we've talked about this before on the show, right, yeah, Robert, yeah. but you know, it, it's the defense mechanism. It's like, why should it be even a cause of death? Right. Even if it's in the top 100, is yeah. that any kind of defense to say, well, we're not the third right. leading cause, we're only the fifth leading cause? Exactly. We're not in the top three. We're only top five. Stop exaggerating. Uh, exactly. It's and, just absurd yeah. because anything that, anytime that you are causing or contributing to the cause of death and you are the profession that's supposed to be healing, you know, you're wrong. By definition, you're just in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, on the pain issue, it's interesting you brought up on this not sort of non-specific yet we know where it is upper right quadrant of the back. One of the first things I learned in homeopathic medicine because I had that kind of pain uh, was the what's called the chelidonium point. A chelidonium is the celandine plant in Latin. It's one of our key polycrest type remedies for the liver. It's the top of the liver point. When you're dealing with liver congestion, that is often the point that says, hello, pay attention. Your liver is trying to deal with some toxins. You're not doing very well. Support it. But of course, in modern medicine, whether it be Motrin, acetaminophen, or otherwise that they give, it's going to intoxicate and congest the liver further. Maybe it alleviates the pain, but at a very high cost. Right, and so when the person doesn't get better, they're going to come back to the doctor, and the doctor's going to say, oh, well, let's either increase the dose, let's change the medication, and most of the time, the patient's already saying that it's actually getting worse, but they're thinking, oh, well, the pain was never addressed, so that's why it's getting worse, but in actuality, it's exactly what you said, it's contribution mm -hmm. of the iatrogenic issue here that's causing the pain to get worse. So from my training, and it's not home homeopathic training, but from a surgical training, yeah. If somebody has a problem in the upper right back, and of course from an osteopathic basis as well, what could be causing that? Well, classically, that's a gallbladder issue. Gallbladder issues, because of the outlet obstruction, you've got a problem with the common bile duct. It's not allowing the bile to release, which is causing congestion. It's causing um, right. uh, not only the gallbladder, but the liver. Uh, the, uh, as everybody knows, the gallbladder is basically the collecting point of the bile and you've got the connection between the liver and the gallbladder so that whole entire area is basically getting backlogged right and so you have to address that aspect first and in classical i'm sorry not classical but in traditional medicine in yes. conventional medicine we hold on hold on hold, hold like the gallbladder has to hold the bile we have to hold that thought we're on a break okay. advanced medicine monday dr ashavitar rsb here we'll be back after this brief break the robert scott bell show
rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Pain on our minds, hopefully not on your body, but we're talking about it here with Dr. Bittar. It is Advanced Medicine Monday. And uh, Dr. Bittar, we were talking also gallbladder. I mentioned the liver point, the chelidonium point. You confirmed as well, liver gallbladder. Of course, the link is there. When the when there's any kind of blockage, the backlog into the liver is going to impact. But most people don't know, and the doctors may or may not be trained. You, you're aware of it, but so many not trained in that point indicating what you've said, liver gallbladder. Actually, while we were on break, Robert, I was just kind of thinking about a concern that didn't surface till we were on the break, and that is that if you're talking about conventional side, they say, oh, yeah, it's definitely liver, gallbladder, let's take out the gallbladder. That's actually, a, from a traditional standpoint, an indication to take out the gallbladder, which it is not mm-hmm. the right thing to do, obviously. But we're talking about congestion, the liver, and the gallbladder. In conventional medicine, and when we take the break, what I was about to say, in conventional medicine, we really don't have a solution to decrease that congestion or to alleviate that congestion. And so there's certain things that conventional medicine will do, and that is actually the zero of the gallbladder, boom, you take it out. At least the recognition within certain subspecialties is there that uh, that indicates a, a liver issue. And a good surgeon is going to know that right away. But, the, of course, the answer isn't to cut the gallbladder out, because once you cut the gallbladder out, now you've got another problem. Why do we cut out the gallbladder? Well, the gallbladder is down to 20% or 30% right. of normal functioning based upon a HIDA scan or whatever the uh, ultrasound study that was done. So what do we do? Oh, it's down you know, down by 70 80%. It's only functioning 20 or 30%. So let's take it out now, and so now we're down to 0%. Obviously, that's the idiotic way of uh, addressing this. So there is no real conventional way of addressing that problem except for cover up the symptom with uh, medicine like a, uh, a non-steroidal or if mm-hmm. the doctor is uh, you know, really convinced that the patient's in severe, severe pain, they'll put them on something like a narcotic, which is even worse because now it's really congesting up the liver and decreasing right. liver function, and then you're going to have a worsening there too. So pretty much any way that they address it from a conventional standpoint, it's going to cause an increase in liver congestion. Now, you know, when you're talking about pain, what is when we experience pain, what are we really experiencing? Well, we're experiencing a signal that comes from that particular organ system or that area that is feeding back a indication or, or a signal or a message. Think of an email being sent from the point of pain back to the central processing unit, the brain, telling it that there's something going on so that we can now adjust our behavior to alleviate that pain, whether it's moving away from something that's hot, that's burning us, or something cold that's you know freezing, or whether it's uh, changing our our range of motion, or what you know, we're going if we're going up steps and we're having pain in our chest, while well, it's telling us stop. Or, in other words, the the pain is directed to adjust our behavior so that we can alleviate the pain. And so, when a patient comes to a doctor and they're complaining of pain, the doctor's idea is to mask the pain, to stop the pain mm-hmm. by covering up the symptom. And that's actually not the way that we should be approaching it. We should be trying to find out, as you just stated before the break. What's causing the pain? Adjust that behavior. And now not only are you relieving the person, but there's a potential that you could actually be addressing the underlying cause of pain and and resolving that. So a fundamental component for everybody listening to the show is that we should think about what is the pain trying to tell us. I think a lot of times we just get so enamored with the pain, we don't think about (laughs) what's the pain trying to tell us. Yeah. And we, we're only focused on getting rid of the pain, and that's the wrong place to be. Well, and it's the, the analogy of shooting out the warning light, disconnecting the warning light in the car, any number of ways that it's been described for so long. 
and you know it's kind of absurd the gallbladder is causing you pain take it out i mean how outrageous if you think about it you know an intelligent alien species comes to earth and sees this the species that pulls out body parts because they're in pain as opposed to correcting the reason why they're in pain <laughs> i mean where's the intelligence there yeah, it's barbaric. That's what we named as a very primitive, primitive species. That's mm-hmm. uh, pretty barbaric. That, that's why I like the opening with you, you know, and and how Super Don put all the the uh, bones McCoy from Star Trek because he, you know, one of the movies they, he looked back as they were visiting in time travel back to the 20th century medicine, and he called it barbaric. Yeah, it's interesting. To, I, I remember that show, but I've always described modern medicine as being remembered in the future. Another 100 years from now, I think as early as within another 100 years, maybe even within another 50 years, at this time in medicine, this historically will be remembered as one of the most barbaric times. And I know people think, oh, well, 100 years ago when they should cut out body parts, mm. well, or not use anesthesia. Well, there that could be attributed to ignorance. We know better now, and we're still doing that. And it's, it's just, you know, from a traumatic standpoint, we are very advanced. But from everything else, yeah. we create more problems. Like cancer is a perfect example of how people get literally sick and you get tortured using the same things that we know cause the DNA addicts and the mutations that take place that cause cancer. Right. But you should alleviate and abstain from exposure to radiation and chemotherapy and blah, no, blah, no, blah. No, no, no. Just use the same thing that causes it. Stand by. we got to take another break here. Fascinating discussion with Dr. Batista. It's Advanced Medicine Monday here on The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Great discussions as always each and every Monday here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, medicalrewind.com if you miss it. Also, uh, there are links to Dr. Batar's website for his clinic. Also, the international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. All of those linked up. Check it out. And of course, the common sense that you're applying uh, uh, Dr. Bittar, it's uncommon, really, although maybe we could argue it's getting more common, perhaps, as, as the sleepy, drugged-out uh, folks are waking up. Certainly on this show they have. Uh, but the idea here, again, of, of covering up pain, suppressing pain, and then creating 10 other problems, it's not a very intelligent uh, option unless your intelligence is directing you to developing a customer base that never leaves and increasingly has to give you more money and time and energy uh, you know, in a futile attempt from the standpoint of the patient to get well, but a very profitable attempt from the medical industrial complex to become very wealthy. Yeah, but Robert, now you're just being cynical, and you know that. <laughs> I, I slipped into cynicism. My, my apologies. No, I mean, it's a true statement. Uh, you know, this, the cardiologist who does not address his patient's cigarette habit but continues to do whatever he's doing to alleviate the patient's chest pain, shortness of breath, dyspnea, etc., etc., well, what are they doing? They're doing exactly what you just said. You know, you don't want to get rid of your patient base. So what you do is you make them more dependent upon coming in to get that medication, mm-hmm. which could be easily not only alleviated, but all symptoms could be alleviated with just a little bit of exercise and abstaining from smoking and just doing a couple of right things. So, you know, coming back to that original person's question, because I don't want to lose that person's sure. question because that obviously they called in for a reason and one of my personal goals is that if somebody takes the time to call us and we should at least try to address their issue as well as we can so 
when you're talking about joint issues, for example, what is one of the things that you can do? Now, we've got this solution, and, and it works incredibly well. It was actually originally being formulated for a, for a female hormonal uh, imbalance issue. It's all herbal-based. It's, it's extract, and we just found uh, very serendipitously that uh, people that were, in fact, in the lab, the people that were working with it, their arthralgias were basically no longer issues. And you know, we, we did about a 1,000 patients um, over about the six-year period, myself and Dr. Clarence Norris, who um, actually died a few years ago from pancreatic cancer. Hmm. Um, very sad story, but anyway, I got a call from him in the hospital, not to change the subject. I got a call from him in the hospital, found out he was in the hospital, and uh, he was calling to, calling to get my advice. And I said, well, what are you doing in the hospital? And he told me, and I said, why didn't you call me? This is such a nice guy. He'd been in the hospital for three weeks, but he didn't want to bother me. And he called me on a Thursday. He had become very cachectic, and he had lost almost 35 pounds of body weight. I talked to his wife, and uh, we were going to get him out of the hospital. He died within two days of uh, his conversation with me. Oh. Um, great, great family practice doctor. But Dr. Norris and myself had used this in about 1,000 patients over about a four- to five-year period of time. And we had, in the patients that we eliminated, where it was a muscular-type pain or a tendon-type pain, when it was a joint-related pain, we had over a 99% efficacy. So mm. we had like four people out of uh, over over a thousand people, four or five people out of over a thousand people, where this did not reduce the pain right. within just um, a minute or two. Now, why was it doing that? And there are certain aspects we can go into that in detail. But I'll just tell the, the people that are listening that the very first thing you should do if you have any kind of joint pain, any type of joint pain, assuming that it's not a old fractured site, assuming that it's not an acute fracture site, assuming that it's not a bone contusion, meaning this is not an acute injury, this is a right, uh, right. like an arthritic type of degenerative joint, uh, yes. osteoarthritis, uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Um, use, uh, in again, I don't want to bring up my book again, but Robert... That's um, okay. We love your book. In, in that, go ahead. It, it, it's worthwhile mentioning, uh, you know, in the nine steps to keep the doctor away. I mean, that's why it's such an essential book for me. Everywhere I go, I, I'll promote it along with the, you know, the other key books uh, that we put out there. That you know, these basic concepts are so lost within the the dominant medical paradigm that it's a, you know, it's a revolutionary act to write what you've written in the nine steps to keep the doctor away. Well, in, in the chapter on water, I yes. actually talk about the uh, research of Dr. Batman Gelch, who's uh, an Iranian doctor. Yes. And, and in there, I talk about how hydration mm -hmm. will actually make a difference. So if you have any type of joint issue, start working on consuming more water. The rule should be, my rule is, two, you know, this eight ounces, uh, mm -hmm. 10 glasses of eight ounces of water, whatever. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's all based upon your body weight. So mm -hmm. basically, if you're... Um, uh, 150 pounds, let's just say, would it be okay. half right. that in ounces, right? 75 right. ounces? So yeah. Exactly. It would be half to two-thirds your body weight in ounces. So if you're 150 pounds, you would be 75 to 100 ounces of water a day. Mm -hmm. It's always one-half to two-thirds your body weight in in uh, ounces of water. Now, if you've got a lot of problems, I would try to, you know, you may have a hard time getting half of that in, but as you start practicing, as you start working towards it, you will find that you will get more and more thirsty and it will become easy for you to actually go not only from the half of your mm -hmm. body weight in ounces, but to the two thirds pretty easily. So if you're a 150 pound person, your minimum goal should be 75 ounces. You may find that hard in the beginning, but you will easily get to 100 ounces 
within the first 30 days of consuming that. And what you will find is that your joints will feel better. Throw in a pinch of sea salt mm-hmm. to make sure you're getting some minerals. Um, minerals are very, very important. So if you can do that with water, that natural water now, Dr. Batman Gales was doing his research, you know, in the jails. In yeah, Iraq. I mean, he was a political prisoner in Iran, and uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to interview him in 2002, not not long before he he passed from this earth. But uh, we have the on a YouTube the interview available at robertswater.com. You got to hang out with our buddy Paul Baratero at the Healing Revolution Summit. I'm thinking transforming this water to make it easier to drink and more let's say, delightful to the taste buds as it does, uh, is, is another major leap forward in helping these folks. Right. So water is an extremely important component, but if you have joint issues, you should definitely do that. And then the, the product that the person was talking about with the, the herbal base, we do have two different things for pain. One mm-hmm. is actually all in caffeine base. It's just dealing with the, the, the neurotransmitter. It's more dealing with the message. Um, it's, it is more of a masking type pain, but it's actually not designed to mask. It's more for pain that's intractable due to mass effect, due to cancers and that type of stuff. It works very, very well. But again, it's not something that is going to cause a problem downstream, meaning in the case of narcotics, the liver, uh, the liver congestion, some of those things we talked about, the non-steroidals, where it's inhibiting yes. prostaglandins and causing uh, secondary problems like ulcers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, anything that you do, Remember the slogan medicine, which is an oath that all doctors are supposed to take, which is do no harm. So if you take something, the first question you have to ask yourself is, is this going to do any harm or is there potential that it's going to do harm? And if it's not, then you can go ahead and try it to alleviate that issue that you're having with the understanding that it is a signal that your body is putting out so that your brain can register so you can adjust your behavior so that you don't continue having that same problem that's going to eventually cause greater sequela so you must be aware of what the pain sensors are going off why they're going off and what they're trying to tell you right right well and i want to go back to some of my experience in working with arthritic pains uh, neuralgias and things how we would homeopathically work with the liver and of course what you said to hydrate so critically important that without even sometimes addressing the pain directly because we and we have remedies like rust toxicodendrum and colchicum and uh, different things that will address arthritic pains but in many cases just by restarting the liver subtly but powerfully you know helping it to do its job and hydrating the cells oh my gosh, the arthritis went away. So really, was it a problem of arthritis pain? That's not, as you said, it's not the problem. It's the signaling. Something metabolically has gone awry. If we can fix that, if we can move things through the body, like we've talked about the importance of the garbage man, and the guy and the gal, whoever down there is doing the job to get it out of the body, how the transformation of many things that you think are your problem are diagnosed as your problem are not really the problem. They're just here going, hey, pay attention. It means something deeper is really going on here. Exactly. And not to bring up my book, because this show could be called, you know, Promotion of Dr. Batar's Book, but not to bring up the book again. <laughs> yes. There's a story in the book about Morgan. And those that have read the book will remember the story about Morgan, the little girl who, by the way, is now 22 in college. She's a senior in college. Um, beautiful young woman, uh, no problems anymore. But she had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. She had, uh, she was on Plaquenil. She was on methotrexate. She was on gold shots. She'd had surgeries for her joint for her juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And um, the long and the short is that that story of Morgan uh, will kind of demonstrate what's possible when you have this terminal condition. This little girl, she would have been in kidney failure by the time she was. She was, I think, five or six when she came to me. She would have been in kidney failure by the time she was twelve 
had we not been able to be successful and at the you know to get rid of her problem and right at the beginning i actually didn't want to treat her because i thought that's which way she was headed because i didn't know that there was other things that we could have done which we did and you know she she helped to teach me a lot that i needed to do many times our patients even though you know she's a child it's not like she sat down and said okay you want to read this book and that but the point is that she was a she was the motivation that was necessary in order for me to delve into the literature and start reading and learning and finding out what possibilities there were to help her with her situation but again that's a major major issue and it was all gut related you want to, you know we just talked about water we want to make sure your guts are optimized and here's a very another simple thing again not to bring up the book but i'm bringing up the book <laughs> go right water yes. water is one of the steps which will tremendously help arthritis but so will exercise start exercising range of motion if you don't use it you're going to lose it and one of the reasons people get joint pain is because they're not using those joints the way they were meant to in 200, 500, 1,000, 5,000 years ago, whatever it was, most of us had to do some type of labor in order to be able to feed ourselves. Right. Well, we don't do those type of labors anymore. We're not stuck behind a desk you know, in front of a computer, and we barely move, and then we wonder why we have joint pain. Start using your joints. Start exercising. So if you exercise and you hydrate, I bet you 75% of people that have joint pain right now will have an alleviation of their symptoms. My mentor said the same darn thing that we were meant to work our bodies. We were meant to be out in the land and, and laboring, laboring and toiling for our food. And it was only a recent uh, part of uh, our existence within a ver- you know, very few generations here that suddenly we become a sedentary species and that there are consequences for that. And it's one of those things that we don't even think about. It's, oh, I have joint pain. I have to go see the doctor. That's the mentality that has been indoctrinated within our current society. And I think, as you said in the beginning of the show, Robert, more mm-hmm. and more people are changing. I, I believe that that is the case. It's, it's becoming self-evident. But sometimes it's just worthwhile repeating the message. Absolutely. Get up and move. Get the up old... and move. You know, take deep breaths. Drink water. You know, feel, feel the uh, energy re-enter your body. It's yeah. amazing, but just drinking water and taking a deep breath, deep um, breath you know, in the the, breathe, move the chi through you and become the exactly. the karate kid or maybe the Cisco kid. We got a call about your son, <laughs> uh, Rahan, and the karate stuff we've been talking. Uh, I'm sorry, it's about Abi. Uh, we saw Rahan last weekend, but about Abi, I've got a question uh, or maybe a comment from a listener. We'll check it out after this break here on Advanced Medicine Monday on the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dr. Rashid Batar. Live around the world, the Robert Scott Robert Bell Show. Scott Bell Show. Scott Bell Show. All right, we've been talking pain this hour with Dr. Rasha Batar. Perspectives you won't get anywhere else in the broadcast media. And we have another caller because that one stimulated a great discussion. Let's see what we can get from uh, from this particular discussion. A caller uh, uh, talking about your son, Dr. Batar. Let's give it a listen. My name's Pat. I'm calling from Ithaca, New York. Um, and when you were talking about Dr. Batar's son in the karate tournament, I just had this visual of um, Gene Wilder's character in Blazing Saddles. You guys love to do these blasts from the past. Um, Gene Wilder's character from Blazing Saddles as the Waco kid, and he was so fast you couldn't see him. 
So um, if, if that'll challenge your brain cells, uh, but I just had that thought that that's what Dr. Vitar's son is like in the karate tournament. So so there you go. I just had a fun visual, and I hope I give you guys a laugh. Well, that was Pat calling in about your son, now the Cisco Kitty, so fast you can't see him move, Dr. Batar. <laughs> that was a nice visual. You know, people have had certain visuals before, and, and uh, I've actually shared some stories with patients, and, and they've, some of my patients have met uh, Abby and have uh, formed a relationship with them. They have shared their visuals as well, so I appreciate that. Well, and, and, and in the pain discussion that we've been having, our, our our sons are getting rather big, and I don't know how much more time we have because, you know, we'll spar together, uh, a little boxing or, you know, whatever, a little fighting and horsing around, but I don't have much more time before he's bigger than me. Well, Abby's not bigger than me, and he's uh, already faster than me. So, you know, we have this discussion all the time, Dad, why won't you spar with me? And the answer is invariably because, one, you're not going to learn anything from me anymore, and two... I don't want to get my rear end kicked, so that's the reason. So <laughs> Right. Yeah, son, every time we spar, I go through too much Arnica and the special pain cream that we were talking about today on that's the air. Right. That's right. <laughs> and that's not an exaggeration either. <laughs> no, I know. Well, we were sorry we missed Abby at the uh, the last event. Uh, we, Rahan was there. It was great. And Deb, your wife, was there. And she sends us... Uh, uh, stories to cover. We really didn't cover them. I, you know, sometimes we plan it out, and a lot of times it's just we we do what we do on the air here. I think the discussion we had today on pain was so very profound and important. To some degree, it might be a, a, a review for some, but we can never do the basics enough, in my opinion. I agree with you. The basics, as in emergency medicine, when you look at PALS, ACLS, ATLS, advanced trauma life support, advanced cardiac life support, it's always the same. ABC, airway, breathing, circulation. When in doubt, you always go back to the ABCs, and so I think uh, it's always it's always a good idea to go over the sound basic principles upon which all the you know foundation is based. And so this is this is one of those ABCs for us. Mm. I didn't even ask you. Did, did you see that movie, Blazing Saddles? Uh, I remember it. I, I, isn't that a Western? Like it a was. It was Western? A, a Western spoof. Of course, everybody remembers the scene where they were eating beans around the campfire, and then it was like one of the most riotous, gaseous emission scenes in the history of movies. But there was a lot you know, of funny. I, yeah, I don't really remember the whole movie because I don't think I ever watched the whole thing. But is that where they punched the horse or something? Yes, yes, he punched okay, the horse as well. That. Yeah, Gene Wilder was the Cisco kid in that. And again, very politically incorrect, but that's a Mel Brooks film. And I just remember one of the funniest movies in history, in my mind, was The Young Frankenstein. Do you remember that one? He did black and white spoof on the old uh, Frankenstein movies. I do kind of remember that, yeah. Uh, I didn't really watch a lot of those movies, so I don't, I don't really... I remember seeing people watching them and maybe, you know, watching a couple of minutes as I walked through the living room type of thing. But yeah. I, I remember, I do remember uh, the punching of the horse. Okay, yes, yeah, so you remember that one. Uh, and ask Deb uh, if she's seen Young Frankenstein and you guys get, get together on a Netflix movie night or something and watch it. I think uh, it's one of those things you, you, you can laugh till you cry. It's so funny. Oh, okay. Well, I'll definitely. We'll, we need to do a movie night anyway. We're overdue for one, so we'll do that. Yeah, very cool. So, all right, let's see. What else is coming up? Uh, we just did the Healing Revolution. They've, they've, uh, Dr. King says they're making your uh, presentation as well available, I think, online, too. So if you want to get into the, some high-tech science on detoxification, great stuff that Dr. Batar uh, presented. And I think even the panel where there was so much laughter. Uh, I don't know if it's a Mel Brooks-type movie, but between you and Ty, it was a comedy routine. Yeah, it was. <laughs> of course, deep down, um, 
what the public doesn't know is that I really don't like Ty. So right, don't, let that, they don't were, let that get up. They were asking questions. At, did they really not like each other? It's like, oh my gosh, these guys were ribbing on each other so much. So anyway, that's about a wrap here. You got go back and enjoy the fam. I know that uh, you get some time off in the summer here and there. Thanks for dropping by uh, with another great edition of the Advanced Medicine Monday Medical Rewind segments. Absolutely, Robert. Always happy to do it. I'm always happy for the opportunity to spend some time with you and. and Help people to remember that the power to heal is theirs. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. The Robert Scott Bell Show.